Welcome, welcome, welcome to Run Mama Run. I'm your host, Michelle Schroff. Run Mama Run is a community of women that love, cheer, and desire the absolute best for each other. Give us a follow on Instagram, runmama.run, and Facebook, and our website. Welcome to Run Mama Run. So excited to chat with you guys today and chat with Toya Kaplan from For The One. Uh, today is kind of a sensitive topic, and I want, for me, I'd really like to make it not sensitive. I'd really like to make it a topic that we can freely speak of and walk with each other through, and that's what we want to do it with Run Mama Run in this community, is we want to walk with each other through difficult circumstances and also um, talk about hard things. So I invited my bestie. She absolutely has walked with me through so much but this is something that we have in common and I felt that it was necessary for us to have this conversation and I wanted to include you all in this conversation and I you know and real quick what I really like to go into is just our story I don't want to talk about um, things that have happened in our community or other children that have been affected um, by sexual abuse but just really focus on her and I because we're the eyewitnesses to those things and um and I think that it may provide some healing for those of you that are listening or those of you that have experienced uh, what we have but or your children have experienced what we have and, and just what has been beneficial to us in this journey. And we'd also like to talk about some preventative me measures and the importance of healing. So we're going to get started. Um, we may have to split this up into two parts, but uh, we'll record it all today. So if you hear the next one and it sounds a little funny, guys, forgive us. Um, so let's get started. This is Toya Kaplan, and we're so glad to have you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Um, just even because of our friendship. Yes. I'm just excited that we can do this in a real organic way. Yes. Because we already, sh we already share so that's right. That's right. And I think that um, talking about it with the microphones and the headphones and everything feels a little awkward, but I think we can do this. I really push do. Past, yeah. Past. Push past it. Um, for, uh, for me, at least, I can, you know, I can speak as far as my story goes. It's something that I didn't share until I was 23 years old. I was sexually abused as a child by multiple family members and, and friends of the family. Uh, and it's something that it took something traumatic to happen outside of my circle for me to realize that my story could benefit someone else and even educate. And I think any time in our life that we can look at um, something horrible that's happened and turn it into something good, we, we've got to share it. Absolutely. Right? In our journey to healing. That's right. That's right. So um, I have a few statistics, and I really hate when podcasts start with statistics. But, <laughs> but it's good to yeah. ground us in the statistics first. That's right. Th and, and to really know what we're up against because some you know statistics can be skewed. And, but with these, I, I think, if anything, it's a little light on the truth because we talk a lot about what's reported. And I know with my abuser, he had um, abused a lot of children and had never been implicated, you know, questioned or anything. So these numbers, I think, are really low. Um, 
but 42 mil- there are 42 million survivors of sexual abuse in just America, and that's from the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. So these aren't children that have reported this. These are adults that have gone back and said, yes, I was abused. Um, one in three girls are sexually abused before the age of 18, and one in five boys. I think that the one in five boys is a lot higher. Uh, what What about you? Well, and I'm thinking of the statistics that I've heard, um, which I felt like were so, so low. And initially, and I can't think of the resource right now, but it was one in four mm-hmm. women and one in seven oh. or one in four girls, one in seven boys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's just no way. Right. There's no way. So at least this is a little closer. A little closer. Yeah. Um, I will say that our, our sex trafficking survivors, mm-hmm. it's 3.9 out of every four Wow. Were sexually abused as children. Wow. So that's over 90%. Correct. And I know that's a segment that we're talking about mm-hmm. of the population, but it speaks to what you're saying. Right. That there's really a higher number of people mm-hmm. because it's so secretive. Right. And unre- underreported. That's right. That's right. Um, and then the, the last one that I'm going to go over, because uh, I have a list of them, and it's all through National Association of Adult Survivors and National Children's Alliance. Um, and this one is from the U.S. Department of Justice, and it's 90% of child sexual abuse victims know the perpetrator in some way. Um, family, friend, teacher, tutor, coach. Um, and just because a, a, the, a, per- a perpetrator has a girlfriend or a wife or a boyfriend or a husband does not bel- does not make it so that they're not a perpetrator. Right. And that's something that um, I think... I don't know if it's a protective mechanism that we have as parents that we are like, oh, no, they're married or right. their girlfriend's there. Yeah, sure, you can go with them. That's not always a filter. No, no you're right. it isn't. So, you know, and those are things that for me, I, I think that once, you know, and this, this podcast is not designed to scare people no. or mm-hmm. I think it's just to really put um, a light on or even just hand a microphone to this segment of the population that has been affected by sexual abuse and exactly um, what are we going to do moving forward so that this doesn't happen again, right? you know, to a family from a family member or a family friend. So if with that, Toya, I'd love to hear um, your story. For uh, Well, I've heard it a million times, but um, <laughs> for you to okay. share your story. Sure, sure. Um, and also back to what you said before I move on mm-hmm. is just – the idea is to affect change. I think um, all we can all agree that it we're so frustrated right now with the same, the mm-hmm. same. How do we finally affect change? And so instead of this being used as a tool to frighten and, and to scare and terrify and for people to, to draw into this tight bubble, our really we do. Our heart is to educate and empower people with information to help their children and to address maybe some things they've been through themselves Mm -hmm. so they can live a victorious life. That's for me ultimately. And so um, back to, and I would say it's a testimony obviously, but um, because I am on the other end of it. That's right. But um, starting at four, it's my earliest memory of being abused. And if I I thought about it, of course, preparing for this, Mm -hmm. um, and it is a trigger when you're about to, you know, to go into this situation even if it's been years since it happened and you're going to talk about it, but um, I can still, uh, I can smell the smells. Mm-hmm. I can 
feel the feels. I know it was pitch dark. Mm-hmm. And that's just a four-year-old. I'm 60. Let me just start right. by saying that. And so you look good, girl. Oh, you're just <laughs> sweet. See, that's why we're close. But anyway, <laughs> so um, I, I can go back to that. But because of the journey I've been on towards my healing, um, it also doesn't mean I stay in that place. Right. And so uh, symptoms that occurred even as a young person that I had no idea because we also had a lot of physical abuse in, in my home. Uh, from the brokenness with my mom and mm-hmm. my dad was alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So it was not a safe home anyway. And that four-year-old abuse happened by a next-door neighbor. Mm. Um, and back then, because again, I'm 60, kids played outside. They right. were all around the block. My mom said, don't come home unless you're on fire. <laughs> you know, she was trying to clean <laughs> right. the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. It better be an emergency. So, you know, she sent me, uh, our three, it's three sisters, mm-hmm out to play right. um, and expected our eight-year-old sister to oversee, oh, wow. you, know, uh, you know, the care of a six and a four-year-old. Mm. Anyway, so that's kind of what set us up for that. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought about it back then. It's certainly we've come further now. Right. But um, I, at a very young age, started having horrific nightmares and I could still, again, because you, in, in preparing for this type of a thing, it makes you think, what were the symptoms even mm-hmm. early on from just that one four-year-old abuse? Well, that then progressed to, um, and it was never my mom or dad, at least in my best memory, mm-hmm. anything sexual with them. It was all uh, physical and verbal mm-hmm. abuse. Um, but but someone else in my household started sexually abusing me. Mm-hmm. And again, as a very young child Mm -hmm. and that just compiled upon that and as I thought I awakened this morning to the thought um, and I'm sure very few people have had like giardia or a parasite Mm -hmm. but I started thinking if you consider it in a like a a segue like an entrance of some sort of a parasite Mm. at that moment um, whether it's spiritual or Mm -hmm. physical emotional psychologically all of those levels a parasite enters when that sort of thing occurs. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from having Giardia that over time it's exponentially worse and it's part of you. Mm-hmm. It's actually, for me, you know, internal mm-hmm. uh, toxic poison sort mm-hmm. of that, that has gotten in right. through this horrible, ab- you know, whatever abuse that you've gone through. And so um, as it gets worse and worse, so Michelle does know that by the time I was 11, um, I had started smoking, drinking, which then progressed to drug use, mm-hmm. and I was terrified. Interestingly enough, everybody thought I was sleeping around, but I was so terrified. It didn't mean that I wasn't flirtatious mm-hmm. in that way or whatever, but I w- that, for me and my sexual experience, it did not make me sleep around. Promiscuous, uh, right. At that point until I was an adult, until mm-hmm. I was... Um, I think I was 18, mm-hmm. which nobody would believe that that knew me back then. Right. Because you know, I was a thug right. in, in those days. And that, yeah. Um, so, because, yeah, if she's doing drugs, man, you know, she's sleeping around. Doing everything else. Yeah. Well, I was not. Um, right. But I was wild in every other way. And just, I believe I was just sort of self medicating. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with me? Right. You know, what? I've got these. Um, and I don't think I was even aware that they were secrets at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I just knew I just felt not right right all the time and and again um particularly probably up until i was like 14 Mm -hmm. um with horrible nightmares and Mm. and that is actually a 
you know, one of the symptoms right. if you research it. That's definitely a symptom. That doesn't mean every child that right. has a nightmare has been molested. Right. I want to clarify that. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely yeah. set me up uh, for becoming really vulnerable to so many uh, different like adults, peers my age, mm-hmm. of finding myself in these situations mm-hmm. over and over again. And you know this, because yeah. you've heard my testimony, mm-hmm. but I've also been uh, drugged at least four times. Mm-hmm. Thank God pe- people got me out of the first two situations. Right. Um, but as a 19-year-old, I mean, I, w- I didn't know where I was. Somebody mm-hmm. bought me a drink, and ha- P.S., buy your own drink, right? And or, or a girlfriend of mine says, I just do a shot. I watch them pour it. Then if I'm going to drink, it. I'm going right. to do a shot. And yeah. I know we have Christians, non-Christians, whatever. Yes. I'm just saying, right. you know, just be aware of that element. That's Don't right. let somebody bring you a drink they bought, that's they a good bought point. for you. Yeah. So anyway, that's been... Because when you're living recklessly, so to speak, yes. you're, you're really not paying attention to those types of things. Yeah. And how important that is that obviously w- what you were saying, you didn't know why you were doing the things that you were doing. So naive. Yeah. But y- and you didn't know why am I, you know, smoking at 11? Why am I drinking? Why am I doing these things? But if you are doing those things and you don't know why there you this parts for you, right. L- you know, right. make sure that if you are going out and you're drinking that y- that you are conscientious of where are your drinks coming from. You're not just taking a drink because a guy walked over and handed it to you or a girl walked over and handed it to well, you. Well, please. Goes Thank both you for ways. saying that. Yes. Because it was, uh, and her name was Nada, mm. which that'll preach all day long. Yeah, her I mother named her nothing. Mm. And so anyway, she was the recruiter for the person mm. that I ended up being under the control mm. of for a while. And it was his own personal consumption. It, right. it was not sex trafficking. Right. But he sent somebody that seemed much less threatening to a girl, a naive girl, mm-hmm. who uh, obviously I was a party girl, right? but brought me a drink. Right. And, I mean, that's a deep hole to go down. That's right. And now, back then, it was like early, uh, excuse me, it would have been like 78, 79. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, it would be more common for that person to end up being trafficked. That's so I, right. I want to add that nuance to the side. Right. Um, they weren't trafficking like that back then, right. but it was for their own personal. And he was like 54 years old oh or something. Oh, wow. And, and a professional. And But anyway, I'm mm. saying it's not always what you think it's going to That's right. Like, that's so. right. And the assault in and of itself is still an assault, even though you receive the drink, even though you, so, you know, don't ever believe the lie that, hey, well, I was, I wasn't thinking and I took the drink and it's my fault and not true. Which is what I would have, for me, I was like, well, you were just crazy, girl. You shouldn't have taken a drink. Yeah, that's not a consequence to to doing that. No, we need to actually break down that wall that allows people to continue to judge and like that it's, that's like your punishment. Yeah. These perpetrators are allowed to go on and on and continue to do this at your, the the cost and the price of your own sanity and your emotional health. It's that guilt and shame is what it is. Yes, it is. It's guilt and shame and what it does to us and the lies that are being whispered to us is that I brought this on myself and I have to suffer the consequences of that. And if I wouldn't have done A, B, and C, then this wouldn't have happened to me. Not true. No. Instead People of should never be allowed to do that to you. What, what would it, why did I allow that? Yeah. How can I not? How can I begin to build things and put things in place? And, of course, my own um, point of really getting stopping that insanity was at 20 and mm-hmm. I've told you I got born again right and um, there's a big story that led me up to finally going finally going and that's 
September 7th, 1980. I'm mm -hmm. celebrating my 40th mm. year this as, wow. as my born-again experience mm -hmm. now. But I, I'm saying that um, that day was actually pivotal to mm -hmm. my the future that I have, you know, slowly began to break through and mm -hmm. get freedom from, uh, learned how to apply the Word of God mm. like medication mm -hmm. against that giardia. Right. Like um, different scriptures that he implanted in my heart. Um, and I was, thank God, where I went to church, I mm -hmm. w just began to learn slowly how to apply the actual word of God like medicine. Mm. And that is what, like one caustic thing at a time, broke that over my wow. life. So that now I enjoy not a perfect life, but a free life where that doesn't hold me captive N anymore. No more guilt and shame no, for no. something you absolutely didn't take part of. And, and I think, and that's the key for me right now when it comes to healing. I know for me, there was um, just years and years of um, denial. You know, I just lost my father um, last month or about a month and a half ago on the 23rd of August. And I, I, I'm experiencing grief like I've never experienced it before. Mm -hmm. But as I'm experiencing this grief, it's, I f it's likened to what I've experienced in the healing from the sexual abuse. You know, the the denial, the literally like, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. And it was years and years and years of that for me. Mm -hmm. Like I would never even speak those words until I was, you know, in my twenties and I had told one person um, and they rejected me when I told them. And then I told another person the following year. And that person is the one that absolutely empowered me. And I, f and, and that was, how old am I? 48, so that was half my life ago that I told someone. And today I'm 40 or 48 years old going, you know, I still, like, I have butterflies in my stomach when I'm talking about it. And, and, and like you said, there's these little triggers that you're going, okay, you know, this happened. That's, that's not who I am. That's what happened. Right. I'm not defined by what happened to me. And because I didn't tell anyone when I was a child doesn't mean that I played a part or I brought it on or it's really and truly I was vulnerable. Right. I was Absolutely. you were vulnerable. Absolutely. You were from your home life was a difficult home life, which was very typical during those times. Yes. You know, so when I think about my home life, you know, my parents divorced when I was nine. And that's when it started that year. It started that year. And um, and actually, up until I shouldn't say that up until that point, I had been um, I, I I don't know if it's my way of minimizing it, but I, I just say I was messed with by two other people, but to the degree and, and it was still molestation. Exactly. Um, but from the time I was nine until I was 12, it was consistent um, by a family member. And I think about it. And what at what point did I say stop? no more. It was when I wanted to date. And that's what stopped for me. In my mind, it was like, oh, wait, this can't be happening if I'm going to be in a relationship mm. with someone. Mm. So I said no more. And when I said no more, it, it was freeing. And from that point forward, I was an angry girl. I was just angry. And ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And uh, that went on for many, many, many years. And that's actually when I walked away from the Lord. Um, I walked away from the Lord when I was 12 um, and stayed gone until I was 23. 
and it was it was one of those things where I needed to um, and and it was weird because I even looking back I conscientiously would tell myself and tell God I'll be back mm. like I needed to check out and even right now the revelation of how that coincided with my me coming back to the one who could heal me when I came to the reality that these things had happened and it has affected me and who I was. Because if you were to ask me back then, you know, do you sleep around? I'd be like, no. You know, I've been in, rela- I've been in a relationship for seven years. Well, yeah, but in between relationships, what were you doing? Well, yep. Because I was constantly looking for someone to make me feel better, right. make me feel normal, you know, because if I was with someone, then I wasn't falling prey to someone because that target that you talked about. I mean, I could get on a bus and there'd be someone masturbating right next to me. Yeah, forever. I I'm serious. I'd walk yes. home from school. Mm-hmm. If there's a pervert, hi. Happened to me coming home from a grocery store. Yes. I was walking home from Tom Thumb in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Looked over to the right. And there the you have it. to me in the car another day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Constantly. I, get it. I, I get can't it. even count. And I talk to other girlfriends, and they're like, Michelle, stop it. And I'm like, I'm not kidding you. They're like, that's never happened to me. Never. When I was in college, before all of this came about, uh, before I had you know, decided this is not going to define me, it is not going to be my dirty little secret, I was in at um, the university, and I was eating Taco Bell, because that's all I could afford. <laughs> In my car, shoving it down before I was going to an anthropology class. And sure enough, there's a guy right next to me in the car waving at me to look. And I remember I was so angry. I threw my burrito supreme in his face because he had the window down and I threw it at him. I'm like, good. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Good. And I reported it and I did everything I was supposed to do. And, you know, nothing came of it. But looking at how I needed to just be able to go no this cannot be happening why is this always happening to me right you know why why is this why am i the person that this always happens to and even now you know i have six daughters and i just wanna when they were little i just wanted to lock them all up but i couldn't i couldn't that's not empowering is it it is for them for them to live better right different yeah and then that still doesn't guarantee anything no but it helps it it really it does help for them to identify Mm -hmm. predators right and that's really what we're wanting to do is to just empower that's right whether you've been through sexual abuse or not in your own life and actually um i know there's some that are listening that haven't had this happen to them they're like how will i ever see it how will i ever know it because i haven't been through it by learning that's right by hearing by educating you not being afraid to empower yourself mm-hmm. with enough hopeful That's and preventative right. information so you're not just a hot mess all the time. That's right. The sky is falling. That's right. But you are very aware. You're at yellow. Like if a traffic light is green, yellow, red. Well, we don't want to operate. Our brains, God did not create our brains Mm-mm. or our systems to be at red all the time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be that mom, that woman, that friend, that sister either but you need to operate at a, a yellow where you are aware of your surroundings and your children's affra- surroundings right. 
and begin to recognize these mm-hmm. things and stop them that's you know, right before they get to your kids. And, and even if you don't have children right. nieces nephews mm-hmm. um, if you're in a career that there are, are children or, or folks that are vulnerable mentally handicapped um, you know people that church ha- right um, let's just say it right church church yeah. youth groups that's right you know let's that's every right. place there are children and there are humans. That's right. There's a potential that That's you right. just have to watch out for. Medical field. Yes. We just talked about we that did. before we started. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, uh, being coming from a, a background in the medical field, I mean, y- you have to think. You're seeing children. You're seeing even adults in preteens, whatever, um, in compromising positions where they may not feel comfortable and, and taking down that wall of, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what the doctor does this is not what and then if a child is uncomfortable you as a parent you have every right in the world to say you know what they're not comfortable right and have that conversation before you get there that's right you know is for me 2020 hindsight Mm -hmm. frankly i'm sick of it i want to flip it that's right i want us all to become uh people who can go i'm going to get these hard conversations going so they're not hard anymore that's right with my kids Mm -hmm. and or with my friends or sisters whatever the case Mm -hmm. is these people that you're in their lives sometimes for a reason and just begin to have these these to make them more normal uh, just like you would talk to a child if they were learning to drive this is that awkward or are you putting things you want to protect you want to keep them safe same thing Mm -hmm. same thing with this let's start talking about it when they're younger that's right and then and also I think it's empowering you know we have some resources I brought one a book it's called I said no and it's by Zach and Kimberly King and and it's an exhaustive children's book of you know even pure sexual abuse of you know having a code word when a kid is at a sleepover, being able to call home and say, hey, mom, dad, I just wanted to check and see if you fed the turtle. You know, there it is. That means come pick me up. You know, just having a code word with your kid so that your kid always feels like they have a way out, that they can grasp onto that. You know, and and even we can come up with every single preventative measure and things slip through the crack, people slip through the cracks. And, you know, and and is that something that we blame ourselves for as parents, that things have happened to our children and, or, you know, I coulda, shoulda, woulda, no, no, please don't. Exactly. That that doesn't help anything. It doesn't. No, we want to move forward. That's right. We want to move forward and we want to move forward in healing because we weren't promised perfect lives. And, you know, and for me, at least the, the thing that has really brought me through is, you know, the story of Joseph in Genesis where it talks about, you know, what man meant for evil, God can use for good. Right. You know, God can use those things for good. And that's what he's done in your life. Right. With for the one. Would you, could you share with our listeners? I will. And, and I also wanted just to slip this in mm-hmm. r- because it's important to say God did not send one single. And there's a group of you that are listening or that are like, of course not. But there's a segment of mm-hmm. the community that still believes that he sent it so he could then use it later. Mm-hmm. And I just want to clarify, at least for me, mm-hmm. I am clear on That's who right. my enemy is. And God did not send to mm-hmm. a four-year-old no. uh, next-door neighbor that would molest mm-hmm. her or family members and a stepdad no. later. No, that mm-hmm. was not him. What he did is he went, oh, we're about to use this. That's right. Your testimony is going to help people mm-hmm. in a way that otherwise mm-hmm. it would not have occurred. Same thing with Michelle here. Mm-hmm. So I want to just move forward by Preface saying that. that the reason that's yeah, right. that he in no way sent that. Mm-mm. He did not make me ha- go through all no. that. But I look back now and I'm like,
thought, oh, my gosh, I get it. I get right. that now with For the One, mm-hmm. which is the ministry that we have, um, and, and it was Freedom House initially, which was a home, which was a residential program for survivors of adult female sex trafficking. And so um, that started with the three years of that home, and we prepared years ago to open it, got it opened, realized after doing it for three years that we needed to figure out a way to impact more people's lives in a different mm-hmm. manner because 180 to $200,000 a year right. for one home with right. up to four women is a Well, and finances. you guys literally created your own wheel on this because there, w- there was nothing like what you guys are doing. What you guys had done with Freedom House was so intense and so um, loving and so people orientated that you you have to be able to, hey, let's, we got to be flexible. We've got, we've got to be able to touch more people and impact more people and also come in from the, the, the side of we need to educate folks so that yeah. we're not just this, you know, net catching girls that are being spit out of this cruel world and that we're able to empower women, like you were saying. Right. And we did, ed- like, as much as I was able to, because I was on call 24 hours a day during that time. <laughs> right. But as much as I was able to. Um, go and do awareness mm-hmm. presentations, which are good yeah. and they're important. Mm-hmm. But it kept bothering me even then. I'm like, but we're not preventing. I right. mean, yes, there's a small group of people when you do awareness presentations, people will leave that becoming more aware of what trafficking looks like. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying there's no effect, but why don't we get even further up the river right. to the mouth where it comes in to begin to discuss this mm-hmm. issue of vulnerability? What is actually causing the beginning flow of this so that predators are, because that's who they're looking for. That's right. That's who they're looking for, mm-hmm. whether it's a sexual predator that's mm-hmm. self-consuming mm-hmm. their uh, victim or whether it's one of these traffickers um, that are going out or sending females, mm-hmm. groomers, right. recruiters into the lives of vulnerable young girls mm-hmm. and boys. Um, regardless of which one that is, it always starts with this element of vulnerability. That's right. And what heart connected me to the issue is that I could see it. I could see that if this was 2020 back when I was going through it, I would be a trafficking victim That's most right. likely mm-hmm. um, instead of just these different people using me for their own consumption. Mm-hmm. So. That's the shift in this many years is that people have learned, narcissistic personalities have learned that they can earn money. Yes, they can self-consume, right. but they can also use you until you're just broken to pieces right. um, and addicted. They can use you to make their own income, to mm-hmm. build their own business, mm-hmm. because that's what it is to them. That's it's right. The they're, business. they're entrepreneurs. Yes, you're a commodity. Mm, right. And so, so we have to look at it that way. And in having the house for three years, as we were transitioning into For the One, mm-hmm. which is the heartbeat of our ministry, it's what um, was dropped into my heart when we were preparing for Freedom House at one of my first meetings. And what For the One became was, um, it's yes, it's the main name of the ministry now, but it's whoever the one is in front of you. That's right. So my life cry, my life call is that for that one, you know, in 1980, I tell people I was the one mm-hmm. on September 7th, 1980. That was the day that that was me. So it's for the one has meant different things mm-hmm. over these years and really day to day sometimes for my healing even or my next step right. of freedom. But it's become uh, what I have identified in um, an actual fight 
to get out ahead of this and to help people begin to see that those vulnerabilities, those things that happen, set them up for future, whether it's sexual abuse, right. getting into a domestic violence situation, mm-hmm. or in the field I'm in, being trafficked mm-hmm. because you got broken to pieces along the way. Right. So you don't stand up for yourselves. It's not like my girls who had different things occur, but nothing to the degree, because I called it out, right. and you call it right. out. You say, um, can't live in the dark. Like, sounds yeah. like, yeah. feels like, mm-hmm. um, let's get ourselves trained. Yes, we, as a family, mm-hmm. we've gone and learned how to shoot. Now, I'm That's not recommending right. everybody get guns, but I'm saying, what are ways you can empower yourself? We've gone to self-defense. Right. Um, different events, whether right. it's a small group or a larger group. Layer those things in That's so good. that you empower your kids with practical ways, you know, to begin to use their voice to say That's no. Right. So they don't become any of those victims. That's right. So, or if they see it or they start into a relationship, um, again, I hate 2020 hindsight, and we have a situation in our home where, you know, somebody um, ended up in a relationship mm-hmm. that was controlling yeah. and narcissistic. Right. And, and, you know, you look back now. And and what set that up, you right. know? So kind of just dissect yeah. the things in each person's because it hasn't made us bulletproof. I think you mm-hmm. you you brought a good point to That's say. Right. Even if you've done everything you can, you're like, how did that slip in? That's right. But we don't just go, oh, we should just ball and cry and beat no. ourselves on the head and mm-hmm. shoulders. We're like, you know what? Never again. That's right. And I'm calling that out. When that's I right. See it. That's right. Never again. We're exactly. And I think that that's something too that as parents, that if something like this is happening in your home or has happened in your home as a parent you have to protect both parties or however many parties there are and you must call it out this cannot be the thing that is swept under the rug and that's something that I just feel like I need to say that was not in my notes that was not in anything that I planned on saying today but if something like this has happened in your home that doesn't mean you're an awful parent that doesn't mean that you've allowed it that does it it what it does mean is it when these children grow up and become adults that they can look back and say, my mom and my dad, they cared. And even though I, you know, had to go to jail or be prosecuted, whatever, that you can never be questioned as far as your love for your children. Because uh, as a parent, discipline is discipline. I don't care how you look at it, but also you have got to protect the children that are being hurt and those children that are going to go out. And, you know, I often meet people and I'll say, Oh my gosh! What do you? What happened? Why is, you know, everybody was doing great two years ago. What happened to your family? You know, did you guys, uh, you know, did someone, you know, fall to the wayside? What happened? And it's so crazy because ultimately something comes out that something happened years before, and the parent didn't do what they were supposed to do, or there there was a suicide attempt, right? And the parents never did anything about what had happened to lead up to that, and and I just want to just want to encourage any of our listeners that if something like this is happening in your home you will not be judged for it unless you allow it right you can't you can't allow it you have to bring it into the dark once you see it Uh, this book that you just mentioned this i said no book Mm -hmm. for really younger children it's a great example of what you're saying because the mom had talked all the way around Mm -hmm. everything she could think of right okay Mm -hmm. and they'd had conversations she didn't see it coming mm-hmm. the way it came. And instead of beating herself in the head and shoulders, That's right. they empowered this 
they did this book together. Mm-hmm. That's right. With her kid. Yeah. With the mistake, mm-hmm. somebody would say, or with the oversight, or she, right. she didn't see it coming that way. Mm-hmm. They flipped it. Right. And like, you know what? We're going to help other kids. That's right. If they're in that situation, well, they say they're sick and they go lock themselves in the bathroom. Yeah. That's right. You know, they, they empower another way instead That's of right. don't let it take you out and Mm-mm. let it sweep you. I love it that you're and talking about and that. And also, I think, too, for that, I think what it does is it gives you a voice as a parent to say, yeah, no more. You know, we can hashtag save the children all day long. But if we're not willing to look in our own four walls or in our own neighborhoods and or, or in our own churches or in our own backyards, kids playing, or then, w- you know, we have got to save the children that are in front of us. Exactly. W- you know, or if the one, Exactly. Right? And so the example of one is that we had a, a um, adopted, well, we had custody of a boy mm-hmm. who went twice into um, my daughter's bedroom. Mm. And once he was just laying next to her. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a very strong-willed person. Right. And so she's like, what are you doing in here? Right. He's like, well, I hear an alarm. I Don't you hear? Did you not hear the alarm? I'm just wondering, is it in here? Uh-huh. So, you know, you have to understand they're manipulative right. and quick to have That's a response right. if they're dealing with sexual issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she shooed him right out of there. Right. And then... However, and we had the conversation, which he had already even signed a family agreement right. that he would only treat my girls like his own right. blood sisters. Right. Um, but unable to stop himself, mm-hmm. he found himself in her room again, mm. put his hand on her chest, which again is people will go, well, that's not that big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And she came, showed up next to my bed and mm-hmm. said, you need to get him mm-hmm. right now and tell him. He said, well, we moved him out the That's next right. day. That's did right. I love and you have him? to. Absolutely. Did I love him? Of course With you did. With all my heart. Yes. Who did I need to protect in That's that right. situation? That's right. So I still advocated for him. To this day, I mm-hmm. love him. That's but right. But you show your children that you choose them. That's right. When you believe them when they come to you. And that's, that's another right. portion of my yes. story was when I did try to disclose my stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the most insane thing mm-hmm. that everybody flipped on me. And so he started going, I've only tried to be a daughter to her. Mm-hmm. I've only tried to love her. I've protected her from you, mm-hmm. he said to my mom mm-hmm. when he threw her down and sat on her one time when mm-hmm. she was beating me up. But so he turned it immediately, mm. manipulatively, strategically. Right. He wouldn't come in the house then. Um, he wouldn't come in when I was there by myself anymore, which was like great, except for everybody thought I was a floozy, right. lying, mm-hmm. loose. Uh, it's there's more damage in that honestly than what he did to me. Mm-hmm. It's so hurtful when no one when no one believes you. Yeah. So I want to say to the those of you who have tried to expose that. And and have had a family turn on you. I found letters years ago that the aunts were writing. Why is Julie so crazy? Or mm. how come she's so wild? Look how she's so loose and a liar. Mm. And I'm telling you, you build on that. When That's you're right. called that over the years, you That's can right. find yourself building on it, that. Y- yeah, instead. you believe it yourself. You start believing it, and you start going, "Oh, well, I must be." And maybe I was wrong. And and maybe, maybe I asked for it. That's right. What was I wearing? What was I wearing? Oh, don't, don't get, get me started. started. <laughs> Do not get me started. I'm not saying that doesn't matter at all, but it does not give an adult male or a a peer permission to come Mm -mm. in and do things to you. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. So hear my heart and hear Michelle's heart. This is not about, there's no condemnation. And Mm -mm. we want you to actually, you or, or your children later, whatever the case is in the situation, 
to look at this differently, to look at it a way to stop it. That's right. Or that there's purpose in it. Yes. That there is purpose. That, and, and that purpose could be what absolutely gets your child out of a situation. Because I think that it's easy to go, oh, they're overreacting. Because we don't want to get involved. or we, And this is, I told my, my daughter the other day, I said, so the worst thing is we accuse someone of something. I do that all the time. <laughs> I was like, what's the big deal? Really? Right. I do that all the time. And I don't mean to. And I apologize. And I am good at apologizing to people because I have to do it a lot. Right. So I love my child. Exactly. I love my grandchild. I'm not trying I to be hateful. But right. I have to say... What's going on? Yeah. What's what's happening? What's going on? Yeah, that something feels wrong. Right. And if and I and that is something that I always tell my kids. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. You know, That's and good. and when we were going, uh, there were some resources that I had found, um, and we'll co- I'll connect you or put links, not connect, put links um, for each of these. There's a Bethesda dot org and they talk about preventing sexual abuse and you know no one should look at the private body parts of your body no one should ask you to look at theirs no one should touch no one should take pictures you know nowadays oh my goodness there's just so many different ways you know and just having those personal boundaries for you know when they're toddlers you know and then it's not so weird when they're you know 10 and they're telling you oh yeah and it becomes sextortion there's a word for that right right where they they ask for those pictures and and then then they use them against you you. that's right so you know and then we have another um, resource from childmind.org another nonprofit. 10 ways to teach your child the skills to prevent sexual abuse and these are exceptional resources because they're proactive you know, it's not just, you know, support your local this or support that, you know, hashtag this, do that. It's literally, this is what we can be doing to pour into our own children or children that we have influence over. The book, of course, for will also link. And Toya, you had a book that mm-hmm. we were talking about that I think is absolutely necessary in this conversation. And I think it's important because on the outside, if you looked at this you know, now a woman, I think she's maybe in her 40s, mm-hmm. but um, she was very su- successful in what she was doing and was an Olympic swimmer. Wow. But her story, of and it's called Master of the Mask, um, where she talks about how from the outside no one could have understood mm. the turmoil that she was in the middle of and really her, journ- her journey out of it. So um, if we can... F- Yes, yes, we will. It's uh, Kim Llewellyn is the author. And and it's what she discusses is peer, correct? Yes, it's peer to peer. But um, in her journey towards healing, and it was it was quite a journey. Mm. But um, in her journey to that, it it occurred to her through counseling that she had actually had a much younger um, sexual abuse. Mm. And I can't remember now what age she was. But again, set her up for the the freeze up where right. where you might fight another person. I've told Michelle, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will jump on you right. and beat you down right. if you try to do something to a friend or mm-hmm. family member of mine. But when it came to a personal attack on me, I froze up, shut down, right, uh, just froze, right, and so diminished, she, yeah. yeah. And so she talks about it's like if I'm invisible enough, mm-hmm. if I'm quiet enough, maybe they'll pass me by, and of course they don't because they're looking for you. That's right. But in this case. Um, you know, that's what happened. She yeah. actually just shut down and froze up and didn't report it. And so anyway, it's a great story. It's an easy read. And there's tons of resources mm. 
in the back of the book as well, which is empowering. We want people to have those That's right. Well, and, and even, you know, with her story, I haven't read the book yet, but I am definitely going to order it on Amazon, I'm hoping. Did you get it, it from Amazon? Amazon. Amazon. Actually, well, she uh, sent it to me. Oh, um, great. She learned about my testimony mm -hmm. through the video, the Vulnerable No More video. Oh, good. So anyway, um, she mailed it to me, but it is on Amazon. I can send you that. Because when I even, I had read, and I can't remember who the author was, but it was um, it was a blog or something, and it was a woman discussing um, how she had been sexually abused by a peer, and at now that she's an adult, she realized, looking back, that that child was also being sexually abused, but it was by an adult, and that you know, she never went and said anything or, but just think that, you know, when you're, when you're talking to your children and you're, you know, giving them, you know, your, your code words, you're, you're going over things and, you know, obviously you're not going to sit down and do a, you know, <laughs> tactical 101 class with them and, you know, but just in conversation, you know, this isn't just about us. This isn't just about you and our family, but this is about the people that are acting out, especially children that are acting out in that way, because we also want to protect them, and we also want to look at the situation at hand and that they're doing they these things. It with them. Exactly. Yeah. Like what happened with them? Why, are, why do they feel comfortable doing that? You know, and you're not to blame if someone does that to you and it feels good or it tickles or whatever it may be, because that I think is, you know, and just going through therapy, you know, Clay and I had been foster parents for seven years and we had children that we were fostering and um, I had spoken with a counselor one time and she said, you know, what's so difficult about it was a particular child that we had had at that time. She said with this patient is that this patient looks at it as a pleasurable experience and how can that be against the law yeah. and and it, it is it's mind-boggling and to try to explain that to a child is I I you almost feel like uh, how how do you how do you explain that to a child right. Right. so prevention is the key because once it has happened they oftentimes children feel like they need to protect and that's what I did I protected my perpetrator and um and it took a lot, you know, I was, golly, I think I was 23 years old when I called him and he was um, dying and I told him that I forgave him and I felt like I had received a lot of forgiveness and that he needed to know that I forgave him in order for me to heal. Mm, that was good. something that, that was I felt was the bridge and, you know, the way he received it wasn't the way that I would have liked it to have been. But he he ended up passing away the day after, mm. after that phone conversation. And I prayed that he was given peace because I knew that um, I, I, I just don't see little kids saying when I grow up, I want to abuse children. I just I, I can't. Right. That right. can't be something that someone sets out to do in their lifetime. But it's so important that you brought up the forgiveness uh, component because it is a journey. It and is. And it doesn't mean that, like on September 7th, 1980, I did not forgive everybody. Right. I'm telling you right now. Mm -hmm. And in fact, last year, on that note, is the year, and I didn't even realize if I went through my who have I forgiven and who do mm -hmm. I, because my stepdad was one of the hardest ones mm -hmm. because of the way he turned the family, yeah, that situation you, turned yeah. the family against me. But I, it hit me, uh, we were just receiving communion. Mm hmm and um, at this women's conference, and she had really waited over it to say, you know, really search your heart, you know, think right. about it. And all of a sudden, I found myself forgiving this faceless, wow. nameless neighbor. 
who at four years old, you know, had molested me. And I had didn't even realize, but it was the next step for me right. at 59 years wow. old towards my really final, for me, I think, I've mm-hmm. used these growth areas. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, I'm so glad you did that and, oh. and you were led to just make it, whether he knee-jerk reaction, you know, whatever his defense oh, I didn't mechanism. And it's so funny, I didn't even care. It was weird. It, it I shouldn't say it was weird, but I think that it was truly um, – for me, at least, it was a transformation for me to go from that angry person to lay it down and go, honestly, I can't live this way. And and it was literally um, a month after I'd found out that I was pregnant and with my first child. Mm. And so it was one of, I want to be a good parent. And I know I can't be this angry, bitter human being if I want to be a good parent. Mm. And I knew that that was one of the keys or... I don't know because uh, there are many things that led me to that place and not to just blame. I mean, obviously I have a free will and I can act however I want to act. And I chose that. That was my choice to, as opposed to healing, I chose the anger and the, the ugly. And it was amazing. The burden that was lifted off of me. And I remember calling my husband and telling him, I have, I've got a call. I've got it. And he's like, why? <laughs> just go on. Just yeah, go on. You're seriously. Like, I, can't. I have to address this. Right. Yeah. And it didn't. And I think that's important that you said that because we can set ourselves up with the way we think it's going to, to happen and where they're like, oh, oh, oh I know I did and I should have never. But it's for you. That's and right. You're saying what you need to get out by way of forgiveness. That's right. And it releases you. And you know what it did also? It empowered me. It not only released me, but it empowered me to be able to say, yeah, I'm not going to allow that to have power over my life. Mm. I have, and and that led in from one thing to another. You know, that led into, um, you know, us saying, let's foster and adopt children. Let's start some nonprofit organizations to help women and men that have, you know, their lives have been interrupted. Because that's what I call it is, because I think when those things happen, it's almost like our bodies and our minds like are stuck there we're really we're really stuck there and until we go back to that place and reveal it and and not and i'm not saying hey start a podcast (laughs) do what what i'm doing you couldn't have known back then that this would be your journey no i had no idea and i still feel like my journey is definitely not over in this realm and that if i could be a voice and not just you know not to be cliche and to help one more person but really to help in my healing and to help me to be not just a better mom and a better grandmother and a better wife, but to be just a better human being, mm-hmm. a person that uh, when I see a red flag that or even a yellow flag that I can approach someone and that I can talk about it and that I don't need to carry that guilt and shame anymore. It has no power over me any longer. Right. And w- just really quick, uh, and this this is something that. I had met a young woman. We were um, going to these apartment buildings in our community that um, I just really felt like the, the families there had been forgotten. And we'd go every single Sunday and hang out with the kids and play ball and, you know, just get to know the people in these apartment buildings. And I met a woman and her daughter, and I noticed that she had a boyfriend that was living with her. And, you know, the vibe starts going on, and, you know, you just like, oh. I don't, is it because of what happened to me or is it because there's something? So I befriended her, not because of that, but there was something about this young girl that I was drawn to her. 
and we would stay in touch and she had given me a phone call and said that the boyfriend was being inappropriate not necessarily acting out on the child but just not being appropriate and I it, it was an opportunity that I had to share with her not my story at that point which is kind of crazy because you would think that that would be a good time but just to kind of hey these are some measures. These are some things you need to do. You need to leave. You need to not be in the situation. Do you need help? You know, what if, you know, and I'm not a savior by any means, but do you have someone you could go move in with? Do you yeah, have, what's your safety plan? Yeah. And not to make her feel like, you know, you're a horrible mother and, but you need a way out. And then she finally did leave that relationship and she had called me to tell me that she had and asked if we could meet. And I met with her, and right before I met with her, I was just like, I don't know what to say to her, you know? I didn't know if I wanted to share my story or not. And this was, I think, last year. And I sat down with her, and I, she had told me that she struggled with drugs and alcohol and all of these things, and I went, okay, I got to tell her. And I just said, can I talk to you about something that happened to me when I was a kid? And she broke down. She broke down. She said, I think that that's what's going on with me, mm. that I'm acting out, and I've never told anyone, and I, you know, and I have a little girl, and I'm so afraid. And I said, yeah, but we can't parent on fear. And that's a big thing yeah. for, for those of us, us that have been sexually abused, that we, we think that we really can protect our kids. Yeah. We do, because it happened to us. And in reality, we can equip our kids, and we can do everything right, and it still can happen. Right. So we have to come to terms with that. But that doesn't mean that we do nothing because our kids deserve that. They, they deserve going out into this world and knowing and even just being able to be the eyes for someone else. I just told my teenage uh, son today, I said, hey, buddy, if you ever see an adult like – you know, talking to girls or to, or to other boys, to t you know, younger boys or boys your age. I said, you can call it out because we are, have very open conversations. I said, you have, you know, this isn't a situation where you need to respect authority and you need to allow an adult or someone to mistreat you or to um, be inappropriate with you on the sly. And um, it, was, it was neat to see him feel empowered to go, mm. oh, I can do that? Yeah, you can. You have the power to. When he's alone, to have that response, to have an action. And, and I love that mm -hmm. because that's what's not happened hardly at all. Right. You know, is that there's not an action plan. There's not a safety plan in place. So that's so good. And then, and then your kids don't feel like they have to think it through or, you know, and it doesn't even give them the opportunity to be manipulated. When That's you think true. about it, I actually love that that element. It it yeah. stops their thinking and goes, wait a minute, that you, looks right. this yeah. isn't right, right, and okay. puts them more on the defense as opposed to how do I and then the defense, you know, they well can get they don't have time to call mom right. right away in some situations. That's right. You know, this empowers them in there alone. That's know, right. You know, when you're not right there. That's right, and you know, closing things up. We're coming up on an hour. Um, I would I really want to share with you guys um, a couple of resources um, phone numbers especially um, one w the most important would be the National Sexual Assault, Assault Hotline and it's 800-656-HOPE and that's um, 4673 uh, it is safe and confidential um, I think that 
this is going to be a huge resource for those of you that have uh, maybe already spoken to someone like Toya had, you know, and maybe been accused of or told that you're a liar or you ca you asked for it. Thi this is the number that I, I would love. You can also contact us and we will connect you. Um, but don't ever feel like you have to be quiet about something like this. And not just so that you can save the next person, but so that you can begin to heal and walk through this life victoriously. Because carrying around this baggage mm -hmm. is not, it's, it truly is not living victoriously. And we as a community with when at Run Mama Run, we want to encourage our sisters, our, you know, our, our moms, our friends, our, our daughters, that we come together and we are so much stronger together and that we can overcome anything. And the person sitting to the right of us or to the left of us may have dealt with the same things. Right. And we are maybe bringing something to the light that we can all learn from and heal from. Right. And it's great empowering sisterhood. Yes. And you don't. Like if I looked at Michelle, I just, you'd never know all that she's been through, but it explains a lot <laughs> about the woman she is today. Thank you, Toya. Thank you for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm just so excited. And I again, I love that our relationship makes this feel very um, homey to a point that yeah. we can just be ourselves and talk about this important issue. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Thank you for all you do, and not just in Albuquerque, but all over. I mean, you guys are uh, so far-reaching and so, so important. We're going to link um, For the One. Also, th she ugh, she's doing 8 million other things with For the One. Men Against porn, Child Porn, it's a, an amazing amazing campaign that everyone should look out for and support and share videos. Um, men, step up to this. This is so important that we have you um, to, to, to fight with us in this battle. Thank yeah. you. Yes, absolutely. So they'll go to ForTheOne.one because I started thinking my daughter's going to kill me I if know. I don't say <laughs> something. Your, your social media guru is going to say, what? Like, why didn't you say ForTheOne.one? <laughs> if you go there, it'll give you uh, plenty for of the information. ForTheOne.one. Mm -hmm. So it's all one word. ForTheOne. Dot the, n the dot word. O-N-E. Perfect. ForTheOne, one word, dot O-N-E. Check them out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Run Mama Run podcast. Check us out on social media at runmama.run. And mamas, keep running.